Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Memphis Hardwood, an episode that is long overdue after the Memphis Grizzlies were unceremoniously dispatched from the 2023 NBA playoffs by the Los Angeles Lakers, those Lakers of LeBron and Anthony Davis and Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura. Yeah, those guys, they took out the Grizzlies in the first round in six games. Grizzlies lost by 40 in the final game. Not a great way to end what was frankly a very challenging 2022-2023 season for the Grizzlies. We have seen better times in Memphis. And part of the reason that this episode has been hard to get to is because it's been hard to really make sense of what happened with the Grizzlies and honestly hard to talk about what we actually think did happen with the Grizzlies. So we're going to get into that. We're going to get into a lot that happened with the team, where we are now, what we might expect. Dylan Brooks not coming back. John Morant not making all NBA. Jaron Jackson Jr. getting defensive player of the year. We got some things to get to, but before we get to anything else, Marvin Stockwell, we got to get you in the mix. Hello, my brother. Hello. Good to talk to you again. It's been a minute. (laughs) It's been a hot minute, man. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, but we we kind of needed a minute, didn't we? We're a couple yeah. of minutes. We actually did sort of a like a therapy session <laughs> when we were supposed to record <laughs> the podcast last yeah. week, um, just because you know we needed to kind of process, honestly, kind of what happened yeah. and where we are. And of course, we approach this as fans. We are not professional reporters. We have but- that luxury. Like exactly. the people who are on like radio stations, boy, they got to show up and make sense of it immediately. We have the luxury of being to be able to show up to the Zoom call and be like, man, I just don't have it in the tank. Yeah, <laughs> you know? pretty much. And delay. Yeah. And so that's what we decided last week. We didn't have it in the tank and and we wanted to to just kind of walk through, you know, some of the things that that we were experiencing as fans right in the wake of this season. Um, I think it's just fair to start, Marv, with. You know, thinking about last year, 21, 22, mm-hmm. the Grizzlies were not picked to finish in the playoffs. I think they were, you know, designated as a playoff, uh, as a play in team. Um, I think that the projected win total for the Grizzlies was like 39 to 41 or something. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they surprised us all, right? With a year that included going to the second round of the Western Conference playoffs, squaring off the Golden State Warriors, losing in six. And I mean, at the end of that season, Marv, I felt great. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's in part because the Grizzlies overachieved. That was certainly a component of it. Yeah. Um, I think it was also, you know, you heard a lot of talk like, oh, the Grizzlies are, um, you know, the Grizzlies are like a college team and they've got that energy, right? And DeAnthony mm-hmm. Melton and Kyle Anderson getting in transition and forcing turnovers. The style of play was great, right? And you know, we went right to the brink and John Morant was emerging, you know, a one all NBA all-star, you know, his first all-star selection, most mm-hmm. improved player, right? Like there was coming out of that campaign last year, there was just a lot to feel good about, even though, yeah. right, we got to the second round and many people were like, wow, we could have gone further. We still felt great because a lot of, we weren't even picked to make the playoffs. This year That's was right. different, Marv. Yeah. This year was different. Yeah. And. Yeah. It really started the different tone for this year after the Golden State Series last year when Clay Thompson called Jaron Jackson Jr. a friggin' bum. And mm-hmm. and everyone in the media, right, was just talking about how the Grizzlies are just chirping all the time, talking, 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 right? Always talking. 
And I mean, among that group, I think Jaron Jackson Jr., frankly, is probably the least talkative. Uh, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I think totally. that Ja Morant, Desmond Bain, and Dylan Brooks are the ones who are really talking, especially Dylan Brooks. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll get to that in a minute, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it was just, it, it started, right? And then Clay Thompson, right? This year when the Warriors were playing the Grizzlies and Dylan Brooks was yakking at Clay Thompson and Clay Thompson is just putting up his four fingers, like four rings, right? Mm-hmm. And when that happened, I can't remember if that was the the Christmas Day game. Or if it was another Golden State game, it may have been the Christmas Day game. It was embarrassing. I found that to be embarrassing mm-hmm. for Clay Thompson and for Dylan Brooks. Yeah, like why are you? Why are you? Why are you endlessly yapping? You're losing the game, Grizzlies, and you're just talking, talking. You're still talking. You're losing. Nobody cares what you're saying when you're losing. So I'm just I'm sort of highlighting that right because it was a it was a bit of foreshadowing mm-hmm. for some things to come. That's of course, true. Clay, of, of course, Clay Thompson, right? Like four rings. I got four rings. Da, da, da. He looked like an idiot too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just dumb. It's like just play basketball. And if you're going to talk, like there's a natural amount of talking in the NBA, but that was just ridiculous. So that was some foreshadowing, right? Because as we get into the spring, of course. Um, the Grizzlies faced adversity this year. Tyus Jones, you know, had to play, started in a number of games. I think John Morant played 61 games this year. I think I got that number right, which is more than last year. I think he played 57, maybe a, a bit fewer. It was in the 50s. Um, so it was, you know, better from that perspective. But but John Morant missed eight games because he flashed a gun. We spent a lot of time talking about this on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was complicated for us, right? Because we know Memphis is a city that is racked by gun violence, continues to be a serious challenge. Um, where people, kids grow up in neighborhoods and you can routinely expect for, for bullets to be flying through your house. It's a problem. Memphis mm-hmm. is off to a record number of homicides this year. Mm-hmm. And now the most famous Memphian since Elvis is creating a gun, a gun violence scenario, right? Just, just mm-hmm. flashing a gun, right? It's just not a mm-hmm. good, not a good look. So it's just been a difficult year. Right after John ja Morant goes out, uh, we lose Stephen Adams in January. We continue to get bad news. Brandon Clark tears his ACL. Yeah, I mean, going into the NBA playoffs this year, we were facing a lot of adversity. Yeah, and then we're waiting until the last week of the season to see who the Grizzlies are actually going to play in the NBA playoffs. And a lot of people, including Dylan Brooks, then say, oh, it would be great to play LeBron James in a seven-game series. If we get the Lakers, great. You know, we run up the chimney, right? What John Morant said. Mm -hmm. We're fine Mm -hmm. in the West. Mm -hmm. A lot of talking. And then we start playing basketball. And the Grizzlies lose the first game. Doesn't look good. The Lakers look great. They have no injuries. They have probably the most indomitable big man in the NBA at that moment. Even though Jaron Jackson Jr. wins defensive player of the year, Anthony Davis is still a better rim protector in the playoffs. No question about it. We have no Mm -hmm. size to match up. Our big rotation is Jaron Jackson Jr., Santi Aldama, David Roddy. (laughs) There's no Brandon Clark. There's no Steven Adams. 
Mm-hmm. The Lakers are long. And, uh, you know, the Grizzlies go on. I mean, people know what's happened at this point, right? To win game two, lose game three, win game four. Um, or no, they lose game four, right? End up winning game five. And then, you know, it's somewhere along the way, the Grizzlies, Dylan Brooks says, oh yeah, you know, LeBron James is old. I like to poke the bear. More talking. And less winning. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of it all, Marv, I mean, after the Grizzlies lost by 40 in game six, you're thinking, are you fine in the West? You just lost in the first round of the playoffs. Is LeBron James old? Because he just beat your ass. You're that was going a dump home. trucking. You're going home. And not only are you going home, but you just got beat by 40 in L.A. Yeah. And the fans are calling for Dylan Brooks to come back out onto the floor. So how are you feeling after all that? Well, I was feeling pretty shitty. <laughs> As a fan. Yeah. yeah. And if you're listening to the podcast, you're a fan too. You were probably feeling pretty shitty as well. So no, no good way to spin that. There's no good, there's no good way to spin that. When you lose by 40, that's that's you got dump trucked. You got dump trucked. So all that talking, what does it mean now, Marv? And I mean, I don't really, I mean, I don't mean this is a rhetorical mm-hmm. question. Like, mm-hmm. what are we supposed to make of that? The Grizzlies are like, we're a competitive team. This is just what we do. You know, Coach Jenkins at the end is saying, well, maybe we went a little bit too far, right? And obviously, the Grizzlies front office believes that's true because they said, under no circumstances are we bringing back, mm-hmm. you know, Dylan Brooks. Mm-hmm. And he'll get an NBA contract. He'll play somewhere yeah. next year. Sure. I mean, he's he's not going to be out of the league. You see people yeah. saying that's ridiculous. That's he's going to be in the yeah. league. Sure. But, you know, he's not coming back to the Grizzlies. Uh-huh. So what are, what are we supposed to make of this moment, Marv? I mean, being a fan, we've talked about this before. You're on the roller coaster, right? So you're going up, you're going down, you're going up, mm-hmm. you're going down. And, but now we've got what, four or five months to just be down, <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll mm-hmm. see the draft. There'll be some trades, right? Sure. But right sure. now, like all we have is you lost by 40 in game six in the first round of the playoffs mm-hmm. after talking smack, like it was your full-time job. That's all we've got. So what are yeah. we supposed to make of this, Marv? All this talking, yeah. right in the midst of the loss. Like, how do we put the pieces back together? Yeah, I guess, I, I guess I think, um, you know, their nature. Like, hey, trust me, when when uh, we run up the chimney, ain't ducking no smoke came out. I mean, that was a very satisfying catchphrase to like absorb as a fan. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. Like, so let, let's let's not like like. It doesn't diminish like that enjoyment in that moment was what it was. I enjoyed that. <laughs> it was part of what was fun about being a fan, you know, uh, and this is not to make excuses. I, I think we clearly overdid it, but you know what? Uh, if we were finishing up a round two series and if we had backed up the talk and beaten the Lakers and be, and, and be on the brink of beating the, uh, the Warriors, if that's where we were, it would unlock like every ounce of talk would just be purely satisfying. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) And you know, when that talking was, when some of that talking was going on, we were at full strength. Uh, Do I think that some of that talk could have been backed up? Had we been at full strength? And of course it's all, it's a crap shoot, right? Like injuries happen to every team and that's part of how you play the game. 
but I'm just saying like some of it anyway, uh, although not all of it. And, and, and like, in a way, like, you know, Dylan Brooks remained on brand as, as, as a, as a PR pro and as a person right. who's, you know, conversant in, in the terms of branding, uh, uh, Dylan Brooks stayed on brand the whole time, like defiant till the end. Right. Uh, and you can either like that or not, but it's consistent, you know. Uh, so unrepentant, unbowed. Um, and uh, that, that's the way he went out, you know. Um, so. I, you know, t- taking the like everything I agree with everything you said uh, last season, you know, because it was a surprise, everybody like. Hey, Christmas morning is 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 fun because as kids, because we get a surprise. We don't know what the present's going to be. Oh right. my gosh! Right, you know, uh, and uh, and you know, there's that time where we get the thing we never thought in a million years. You're like, oh my gosh, you know. Um, so last year was an amazing Christmas morning experience where we got something un we never dreamed of. Oh god, our dreams came true. That's great. Now this year, you know, our our expectations were high you know, uh, and, and we underperformed, but one of the reasons that it's hard to, I think for me to square the season or how I square the season away is that some of those reasons that that we underperformed were out of our control. You know, the injuries were out of our control. They're freak things. And it's like, when we, when we try to make sense of things often to say something goes wrong, you know, it's, it's human to try to uh, assign blame and we all want to feel like we did our best effort uh th- that we're not at fault or perhaps you know like if you are at fault you kind of own it get ahead of it so i don't know i feel like we're all trying to make we're trying to find where the blame lies and like there's no there's nowhere to place the blame of a of, a, of an injury so there's nowhere for that energy to go um uh, now Talking at the end is like, like those instances where like poking the bear clearly probably was not the best idea, you know? So we, we'd like to have that one back. We'd like to have that one back, but oh, well, it didn't Not happen. Dylan Brooks, not Dylan Brooks. Not he Dylan didn't, Brooks. He, he didn't and want to take I, it back. And here, here's the hopeful note. Here, the hopeful note is this. I think the rest of the team is, has, is not defiant till the end. Uh, hearing Josh say, the off-court stuff hurt the team, and that's on me. That's what you want to see. You want to see uh, responsibility taken. You know, uh, in being a PR pro, the, the concept of like crisis PR, the framing question that 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 you're always supposed to like examine the situation with is: What would a reasonable person expect a responsible organization to do in an instance like this? The classic thing: the BP oil spill. Right. right? Well. That bonehead, a top BP, did the polar opposite of what you're supposed to do. He's tried to find every other way he could blame others for it, and he never accepted blame. And that's the reason it was he just increased the injury to their brand. But to the degree that we can own our mistakes, I think reasonable people look at that and say, well, you know, at least he's growing. He's he screwed up, but he's accepting blame. And that's the reason when I see Ja Morant accept blame – for his part in it, that's satisfying to me. That that helps. That's sure. a balm, right? Um, yeah. Now, is it balm sufficient to like bandage up the wounded? You know, like uh, of our expectations, maybe not. You know, right. uh, but that's why. I mean, you know, it's pithy expressions endure because they're so useful. 
time heals all wounds is right there. <laughs> Just right. break it out of the rhetorical kit and, and, and have yourself a glass of it. Right. You know, like we've got yeah. the whole off season to lick our wounds. There's another phrase. Right. Um, and that's what we're going to have to do. Uh, and, and if we take all that happened this season and learn and grow, that's, what's going to fully restore my kind of like fan battery where I'm all like, all right, all right, all right. We got this. We got yeah. this. We learned some hard lessons, you know, they're yeah. the things that make you, you know, <laughs> et cetera. Uh, right. You know, so that's all I got. For sure. I mean, it's disappointing. Yeah. It's a bum out. Yeah. It's a bum out, but I'm still a right. Grizzlies fan. Oh God. I'm yeah. still I bullish mean, on our future. This is not, <laughs> yeah, it's right? just, I, I think this just feels different, right? We went through like much of the Grizzlies oral history and we'll resume that project this summer. Um, you know, we went through much of the oral history last year and I mean, one thing that was great about those years, right, is we never had an expectation, at least I never did, that the Grizzlies were going to win a championship. I I just never thought that the core four was going to win a championship. You did not have in that era of Steph Curry and LeBron James and Kevin Durant, you did not have a superstar of that ilk. And I mean, as we're seeing right in the current playoffs, when you have the best player or best players on a team and those guys get the ball in the fourth quarter, that's how you win a championship. That's just, I mean, you could have great defense. Grizzlies always did. Right. And they still do now, but you've got to have excellent offensive players who are transcendent when the, when, when, when the rubber yep. hits a road at the end of the fourth quarter. That's right. And the Grizzlies have one of those guys, I think now and John Morant. Mm-hmm. And I think they've got an excellent supporting cast member in Desmond Bain, whose second and third year comps look a lot like Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that you've got like guys now, right, who can really do that. And so I think what's difficult when I put this like feeling right in this season into perspective, Marv, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is oh wow, we win, we beat the Spurs, you know, as an eight seed in the you know versus a number one seed in the twenty eleven playoffs. Wow, that's incredible, it's incredible. Like, bonus. like that's it's Monopoly money, right? Like oh my yeah. gosh, this is amazing. Like this is free, like time. It's amazing. We landed then, on free parking. You got the thousand bucks. Do you? <laughs> Play with that house rule. Anyway, go ahead. You said Monopoly and I went off. Exactly. Right. So, you know, collect your $200. You pass. Like, this is fantastic. So, and then, of course, in the subsequent years, the Grizzlies, like, really make a dent. But, you know, it was just, uh, we were just living for those series against the Clippers and the Thunder, right? Mm. I mean, we just wanted to beat Blake Griffin and Chris Paul. You know, we just wanted to beat Russell Westbrook and and Kevin Durant. And some years we did. And some years we didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Well, over the last couple of years, it has felt like a rocket taking off in terms of yep. the team, their abilities, the fan base, the enthusiasm, um, selling jerseys. You know, I mean, it's just been incredible, right? John Morant's been a huge part of that. And then this year, I would say Jaron Jackson Jr.'s emergence. I mean, totally. it was just a phenomenal to watch in the latter half of the season. Jaron Jackson Jr. put his whole game together. The offensive game inside the two-point area, um, the consistent three point shooting right at 35%, mm-hmm. um, the ability to be, you know, an elite, uh, rim protector and defensive player for the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, if he can add a little bit of passing and dribbling, <laughs> I mean, he's going to be phenomenal. And so it's amazing to mm-hmm. think, right. at how he's still putting pieces together. Desmond Bain averaging 18 points a game this year, right. Cresting into the, in the 20 point region, right. That's just what you want to mm-hmm. see yeah. out of your secondary score. So there was just a lot, right, that was so positive about all this. And mm-hmm. and it just came unraveled. Now, it's one season, 
as you say, the injuries, those things are going to happen. When you play in the NBA, you have to expect injuries. I think one thing, it wasn't surprising, but perhaps it was shocking in the way that it impacted the team in real time. Steven Adams is a really big part of what the Grizzlies do. Yes. Yes. And I think we all knew that before he went down. It wasn't mm. like a revelation. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, Steven Adams, holy shit, he's yeah. really important. No, we mm. knew that. But why is he important? Because when the Grizzlies don't shoot well, and we'll talk about Dylan Brooks in a minute because he's mm. a part of that, mm. you have to rely on getting those misses as offensive rebounds. We've talked about this before. You get sure. extra possessions. If you have extra possessions, you can score more points than your opponent, and that's how you win. So mm-hmm. Steven Adams, he guaranteed us right some of those extra possessions. Mm-hmm. He also was an absolute impenetrable brick wall for John Morant on screens. He was yep. an elite passer at the elbow. Him and Desmond Bain had phenomenal synergy. So he just is a hub in the Grizzlies offense. And the Grizzlies yeah. offense, right, was not as good this year as it was last year. We missed so, him really bad. Tillman did a great job in relief. Oh, absolutely. Played above his head. Absolutely. Great, yeah. No, and I mean, I forgot about Xavier Tillman in our big rotation earlier. So I apologize to X because, you know, he was uh he was he was just lights out great. But but, you know, he's not Steven Adams. I mean, there are guys who say Steven Adams is the strongest player in the league. I mean, you've heard mm. Kevin Durant, other people who are just like, yeah, Steven Adams, like he's the guy. So I think that was a huge part of it, right? So those injuries, they pile on. But but going back to it, right, what was the greatest sort of weakness aside from the off-court stuff? Like, let's just talk X's and O's. The, the greatest weakness was that the Grizzlies uh, were not an, a particularly efficient shooting team. And when we brought... um uh, when we brought Luke Kennard in from Los Angeles, we thought, okay, great. This is going to help. And in the regular season it did, mm-hmm. but Luke Kennard could not get shots up because mm-hmm. anytime he was in the game and we started to move towards a Bain Kennard, John ja Morant sort of backcourt, right. Yeah. Um, towards the end of the series. Right. And then he got hurt. So we'll never know what would happen again. Right. In game six. Cause Luke Kennard didn't even get to play it. Yeah. But, but the Grizzlies weren't able to get shots up. And it's in part because, you have a small forward who is soaking up tons of minutes who's going 10 of 42 from three and who's not even being guarded. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and of course, now the Grizzlies are not going to bring Dylan Brooks back. And I think the talking is a piece of it. But let's be clear, like the on-court stuff has been problematic. Dylan, he, he thinks he's a better offensive player than he is. And I think to thrive in the NBA, you probably have to have that kind of hubris. Mm-hmm. You're a second round player, right? I mean, best player on a final four team at Oregon. Um, he's he's done yeoman's work for the Grizzlies, right? Longest tenure Grizzly. This is not about hating on Dylan Brooks. Right. But the, but the bottom line is he's an inefficient shooter. He's not been a good shooter throughout his career. And so when you have a guy like that out there, your best shooters are still going to face real problems getting open because he's just not a threat. And mm-hmm. Dylan did not, to me, he was not as aggressive as he should have been cutting to the basket. Mm-hmm. Dylan mm-hmm. could, he, there was a mentality I saw with Dylan Marv where he thought, well, I'm just going to shoot my way out of this. And you've heard him say that. I'm just going to keep shooting. And it's like, bro, just get into the paint, get a foot into the paint, put up an ugly shot and get a foul. He's pretty decent at drawing fouls. He's a big guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's a locomotive in the lane. He can get downhill. And, but he just wanted to shoot those open threes. He's like, you're going to leave me open. I'm going to shoot a three. And that, that is the problem. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. I take it personally that you're leaving me open and I'm going to show you, but you know what he showed us that he can't hit threes. Yeah. 
it's petulance. And like when that petulance is tucked inside an offense that has all the other things humming along like they should be, it works or it's exactly. or, or it or it's a better bargain. You know, you, you could argue that if you've got Steven Adams getting you more offensive rebounds, more possessions, then it's a it's a sacrifice that you want to make sure. because Dylan's such a great lockdown defender. But sure. then when you don't have Steven Adams, when you're not getting those offensive rebounds uh, and all these other problems, it just beca- it just it accentuates and makes worse the problem. Exactly. It was exposed right within a system yeah. that was imperfect because we were missing key yeah. pieces. Um, so again, I mean, I don't really put that blame squarely on Dylan Brooks. I mean, he, he was just symptomatic of some Mm -hmm. larger issues, but within that space, instead of being humble, right. Instead of practicing humility, right. Instead of saying the right things, he said the wrong things and he skipped out on all the media availability, right. Yeah. That's not cool. And at the end of the day, you know, and I, I talked to my wife about this stuff a lot. There's so much you can't control in life, right. Like most of it. Um, but what you can control, right. Is being a person of integrity. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. always choose to be a person of integrity, to do the right thing. And mm-hmm. it was simply not the right thing to do for him to make those comments. It wasn't the right thing to do to duck out on media availability after you lose when, hey, mm-hmm. you're winning and you're there and you're talking smack, right? And then you lose, you leave. We talked a little bit about this. I, I don't think from a reporter's perspective, right? Uh, I'm not a reporter, but I mean, when I hear reporters mm-hmm. talk about this, mm-hmm. I don't think there's there should be a sense of entitlement around you're here, right? You, I, you You're supposed to talk to me. I reject that, right? Because I think there's a sense of entitlement and privilege because it's just grist for the mill. It's fodder for the fire, right? Like mm-hmm. I just want to be able to use your sound bites so I can get my word out and continue to publish stuff. I reject that. But what yeah. I think is right is if you're going to go and you're going to talk after you win, you also need to go and talk after you lose because that's a responsible thing to do for your team and for your teammates, right? And it's accountability. Mm-hmm. And I think when yeah. we talk about integrity, right, a lot of that is accountability. If I do something wrong, I want people to hold me accountable. I want to be mm-hmm. held accountable, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's why you look back to the Grizzlies of old, right? Marcus All, what did he always say, right? When things got tough, he never skipped the media availability. What would he say? He said, "We need to look in the mirror. We need to take a look in the mirror. Every guy needs to take a look in the mirror. Needs to assess his role, and we need to really think hard, right, about uh, what we're doing." Um, yeah, you know, Mark and, was and, great in that way. I mean, and so. That just, to me, it's just a counter example, right? It's like, and he's like, I need to be better, you know? And he never called anybody else out, but he did say you need to take a look in the mirror, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that, you know, that's the thing that I find really challenging about this, right? Just being kind of a person of integrity, right? So critical, so important, so essential. Um, And it's missing. And the Grizzlies have obviously made the same determination and they're going to move on from Dylan Brooks, despite what he kind of contributed, as you say, Marv, in a system that's Mm -hmm. working. Because let's be clear, I mean, Grizzlies have been great. And, you know, despite the sort of unceremonious into this year, Dylan Brooks has been a real big part of that. Yeah. So this is not about, um, this is not about, you know, uh, casting aspersions at Dylan Brooks. It's just about calling a spade a spade, right? It's about Mm -hmm. saying you need to take responsibility for your behavior. Um, And Dylan Brooks is going to be on another team. He's going to help another team win. I'm confident about that. And I wish him all the best. Sure. My hope going forward, Marv, and we'll have, you know, we'll continue the conversation this summer. But my hope going forward, Marv, is that John Morant, who I, I thought was sincerely contrite after this. Exactly. Season, yeah. Can be the leader that he knows he needs to be. I have mm. 100% confidence that John Morant feels more badly about all of mm. the stuff that we've talked about for the last, whatever, 30 or 40 minutes yeah. than you or I do. 
I'm sure it's a million times worse for him. Sure. And I short circuited his own goals, his own desires. He and realizes he didn't, that his inaction, his actions short-circuited what he desperately wanted. That's got to feel really awful. Absolutely. It's on his shoulders. And on top of mm-hmm. that, he missed out on all NBA. He had a better season this year than he had last year, and he missed out mm-hmm. on all NBA. Because wow. those reporters that we're talking about who expect you to be there after the game, they're the ones who vote on this, 100 reporters, right? And they just they yeah. decided, we don't, like, we don't like the way you're behaving. Yeah, And I hate that. I hate it because... It just continues the negative flow of national discussion about Memphis. Yeah. I hate that, right? Yeah. And this is just a reminder, right? We have the power. It's just, it's stuff it's it's the stuff that Memphis grapples with all the time with regards to the state legislature that passes laws that, that disproportionately harm Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you see it now in the national media. Now you can say, well, Memphis brings it on itself. John Morant brought it on itself. Well, okay. I mean, what, however you want to slice it and dice it, we're talking about accountability. Maybe this is accountability. He didn't make all NBA. Right. Mm-hmm. But my hope is moving forward that this can be a liminal moment where we look back and we say, right, a year from now, when we're still hopefully in the playoffs, making a push towards June, Marv, mm-hmm. a year from now, we, we can look back and say, you know what? What an incredible turnaround for this team. What incredible leadership by John Morant to be able to shepherd this team through those difficult times, come out prepared, right, for a season um, where we're focused, we're dialed in, we're not talking off the court, we're focused on winning it between the four lines, like LeBron James said, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we can celebrate this time next year. We're certainly not there now, right? Lamentation is a part of life. Um, this mm-hmm. has been a season of lamentation for the Grizzlies. Um, mm-hmm. But I am confident, Marvin, that we'll be able to turn it around. And this podcast has been helpful for me. Hope it's been helpful for you um, and for those listeners, right, as we sort of absolutely close this chapter on the 22-23 season. Yep. Well, gosh, still a Grizzlies fan. And and I have, uh, you know, it, I might have had to fly my Grizzlies fan flag at, at half mass for a few days, but it's back up at the top of the flagpole. Excellent. Where it will stay. Yeah. Mine is Hopefully too. forever, but it's certainly <laughs> I, to the beginning of next season. I posted my, uh, I posted on Instagram and Facebook, you know, my wife got me the jaw ones for my birthday. Very um, lucky on guy. April 30. I know, I know. And so I wore them to, I was teaching a class on last week and I wore them, one of the people there were like, where did you get those? <laughs> and I told her, you know, it's a, anyway, so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm rocking my jaw ones. I'm feeling good. Um, cool. the best for this team is yet to come. You've got your two superstars under 23 years old, right? The, the future is bright for these Grizzlies. Y'all, we will get back at it next week. We'll start thinking a little bit about, um, what the Grizzlies need to do to improve as they move on from Dylan Brooks. We'll have plenty to digest there. We'll talk about roster changes. We'll get back to the oral history. want to thank everybody for tuning in and thank especially my good friend, Marvin Stockwell. Appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you, man. Go Grizzlies. Go Grizzlies. Everybody take care. Continue to enjoy these NBA playoffs. Marv and I will talk a little bit more about those next week. In the meantime, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and we'll see you next time on Memphis Hardware.